Good morning and good evening and good day for everybody. It's uh, great to be back in uh, LA. It was great traveling also, but it's also uh, great to come back. So today we have a special guest, if all goes well, because Mercury is still retrograde. Actually, I can uh, see here that we are... Let me see. Make co-host. Make co-host. Hey, Laura. Hey. Um, let's see. Are you going to be also on uh, Instagram? Okay. Let me. Baby, could you bring my gold necklace from in there in my little tray? Make host. Yeah. So I did give you permission. So as we um, figure things out, uh, just a few things, you know, because uh, first of you, some of you think send a lot of questions and uh, things you wanted uh, Laura to talk about. Of course, we have Laura Day today uh, as our guest, as we promised. Um, she has amazing books. Anytime I see somebody has any kind of activity in the 12th house, the 8th house, the 4th house, or anything to do with Neptune, anything to do with Mercury retrograde, I always recommend uh, Practical Intuition, The Circle, How to Rule the World from Your Couch, uh, The Crisis. All of these are best-selling books that um, Laura Day wrote. And they're very, very pragmatic and practical about how to use intuition. So I wanted, as we are now in Aquarius, and today is the first day when we don't have Venus going retrograde or standing still. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of my clients in the last week or so. In the last few days, if you noticed, Venus was stationary. So the last two days, Venus was standing still there, not moving so much. And a lot of people felt down without necessarily knowing why they feel down. And again, when Mercury is stationary, which is going to have this week on the 3rd and the 4th of uh, February, and when any planet is stationary, especially the personal planets like Venus and Mercury and Mars, then we feel a little bit off. It doesn't have to be bad. We feel off and we don't know why because it's frozen. You know, that that program is frozen in your in your computer. So it's no wonder you have a hard time recognizing what's wrong. And one of the things that I really recommend uh, to my friends, to myself, to my uh, clients uh, around this period of time, because it is kind of challenging in general, very objectively challenging. I mean, everywhere you go in the world, it is rather challenging. Uh, two things that to make sure that you are practicing. First of all, don't take, don't, don't take things personally. It's nothing to do with you. Uh, that I took actually from a song that I remember that really influenced me, David Bowie's uh, song. I think it's from um, Lodger, the uh, a record or the 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 record, I guess, uh, Lodger. Um, don't take things personally. It's got nothing to do with you. So whatever is happening up there, don't take it personally. Oh, wait, wait. Can I interrupt? Yes. Even weather has to do with me. I take weather personally. How, yeah. Because, you know, sometimes certain things happen because, let's say, in winter it's cold, like you just mentioned. In the summer it's too hot. Uh, you can't take it personally. Personally meaning that we think that something is happening against us. That makes us much more of a victim. When you don't think, take things personally because it has nothing to do with you, it's that focus on that idea of oneness, that everything happens because it must happen. It's like the idea of uh, necessity from uh, ancient uh, Greek, the idea that certain things must happen that we have no control over. And that leads us to the second most important thing these days is if you can't really control it, don't worry about it. Try as much as you can not to worry about it. Let's say um, something happened which is objectively very, very tough, but it is something that you have no control over. You can feel it, you can be aware of it, but you can't worry about it because that really is futile. That's like the five of discs in the tarot card. Mercury in Taurus. Mercury is drowning in like the quicksand of Taurus. So these two suggestions, don't take things too personally, even if it feels like everything is against us. And uh, if you can't do anything about something, don't worry about it. 
And before we go into the main segment, because this week is, is a really busy, interesting week. We have the Chinese New Year coming. Uh, as a gift for the Chinese New Year, Mercury is going to go direct on uh, already in, Feb- in uh, February 4, but it's also going to be very strong in February 5. So there's a lot of really interesting things happening to us this week. And before we talk about uh, all of those things and before we talk to uh, Laura, uh, I wanted to mention a few things. First of all, you know, it's kind of great to be back home. As you can see, I'm back in my uh, office after uh, traveling to different places and only almost getting stuck in a snowstorm in Istanbul. But, you know, I was thinking about it a lot the last yesterday that Sagittarius is the sign of traveling. Sagittarius is the sign of truth. Sagittarius is the sign that is associated also with synchronicities. You know how it is said in um, uh, Luke, in Luke 4, I think, chapter 4, Jesus tells people that there is no prophet in his own town. In Hebrew, it actually sounds really good, en navi biro, three words that describe there is no prophet in his own town. You know, that's a quite a long thing. In Spanish, it's probably even longer. Uh, but that's the beautiful thing about Hebrew being a very old language that doesn't have that many words. It can say things very, very uh, concisely, very, very shortly. So there is no prophet in his own town. That's the idea behind Sagittarius, that sometimes you have to get out of your own place, be a stranger in your strange land in order to channel your true potential. It's not only about being a prophet. It's about uh, everything that you do, that you sometimes have to get out of your comfort zone, out of your own own city, out of your family, out of um, where you were born, you know, just like in uh, Genesis when God said to uh, Abraham to go, to go to the Wild West, you know, at that time Israel was west of uh, where um, Abraham was. So the idea of the journey in order to activate synchronicities, coincidences, uh, these kind of things are super important for us. So every once in a while when you feel stuck, again, Sagittarius is a fire, it's a mutable fire sign. It's really important to get yourself on some kind of a journey. Even if that journey you can't uh, afford, you can't go to travel very far. Maybe you can take a cabin in the mountains someplace by yourself and just do that journey inward. But the idea of traveling is super, super important in order to discover whatever else Sagittarius controls. And that is the truth. Philosophy. It's a way to connect. It's a way to connect to the above. And I noticed also that the more you travel, the more synchronicities uh, happen, the more coincidences. And then it made me think about Jung, because we're going to mention him today. Carl Jung, the great psychologist, uh, who was, of course, also a great astrologer and a great painter, and so forth, and a poet. And anyway, uh, he associated synchronicities with Mercury. And then yesterday I was thinking, that's kind of interesting, because Mercury in Sagittarius is considered to be detriment. Detriment is a fancy word in astrology to mean exile. What does it mean? If Gemini is, uh, Mercury is ruled by Germany, Gemini uh, is basically ruled by Mercury, then Sagittarius, the opposite sign, is when Mercury feels in exile. But it's interesting, in order for us to experience synchronicities, we have to uh, get Mercury a little bit more quiet because Mercury represents the mind, it represents reason, it represents logic. So in order for us to really connect synchronicities, these magical coincidences with meaning, we have to sometimes let go of our Mercury, let go of our logical mind that says cause and effect because synchronicity is not cause and effect, it's a correlation. So that's one of the reasons why during Mercury retrograde or when Mercury is in Sagittarius, when you travel, yes, there is more misunderstanding because you can't read the signs. They're in different language and people uh, don't talk your own tongue. But at that time, you have much more magic, more synchronicities, more coincidences. So... If you have Mercury in a retrograde in your chart, it actually means that you can be even more intuitive. In fact, it's interesting that we're talking to Laura today because she does have Mercury retrograde in her chart. That makes it everything else. It makes it awfully confusing sometimes, like Alice in Wonderland, but it makes her tap into things that otherwise Mercury, with his reason, would cover up. Uh, also, I noticed that Laura has Sagittarius in the house of communities. And that's something really magical about how Laura uh, teaches, because uh, first of all, her Sagittarius, which is the teacher, is in the house of groups. It's always about the group 
For example, every morning when she wakes up, whenever she wakes up, wherever she is in the world, she does this really interesting thing on uh, uh, Instagram that I really recommend. It's like a circle of people coming together, heal each other, share stories about uh, their um, journey, give readings to each other. And it's every day, every morning when she wakes up. And I love the randomness of it because you can't really tell where it's gonna, when it's going to be. It's going to be when it's supposed to be. And I think I told you guys that a long time ago when I just started teaching in Turkey, 2003-04, there was a Sufi lady uh, that was teaching. She was German, but she, lived, she uh, studied in Kazakhstan uh, Sufism and really a, mer- a remarkable woman. And the way she did her workshops was um, she just came to that place. And everybody signed to that workshop, but they never knew what's going to happen in the workshop. In fact, they didn't know even uh, when it starts. So she would basically say, I'm here for three days. You can have the best of me. Okay. So she decides to wake up at eight o'clock in the morning. She's downstairs. So people start rushing down to see what's happening. Then she decides, oh, I'm going to go to the bazaar to shop. So if anybody wants to come with me. So the whole class was going on in the bazaar through the interaction with the uh, merchant, through the haggling, through the uh, fabrics. You know, it was really fascinating to see how she got to that point where she can teach in a Sufi way. So Laura is doing it every day in a Sufi way through Instagram. So definitely it's at Laura Day Intuit. I'm going to actually show you that slide in a second. So join it. Uh, I sometimes pop in whenever I am. I mean, sometimes she just texts me randomly and it's like nine o'clock in Istanbul or if it's like six o'clock in the morning in LA. But it's uh, I try to comply as much as I can to come. But definitely you guys just uh, do it the Sufi way on Instagram. Uh, I think it would be a great thing. So I wanted to start talking about, um, um, I'm going to talk to Laura a little bit about what's going on. Uh, But before that, I wanted to share something. Uh, This is Jung's favorite quote. And I think that's what's going to be the segue for us uh, uh, to talk to Laura because This is one of my, I mean, for Jung, this is the favorite quote uh, in the world. I checked out and he said that this is what inspired him to even come with the idea of uh, synchronicity. This is from Lewis Carroll, chapter number five, uh, Through the Looking Glass. So uh, here we have the White Queen. The White Queen uh, is very, very forgetful. She's uh, absent-minded. She can't remember nothing. But she has the ability to remember the future. Now, Alice tells her, I'm sure my memory only works one way, Alice remarked. I can't remember things before they happen. And then the queen thinks about it for a second and then says, it's a poor sort of memory that only works backwards. And that's what I wanted to talk about the, the idea of um, uh, synchronicities and the, uh, be, uh, the be behind everything behind intuition is that we always think that time is very linear, past, present, future. Genesis, right? Then we are living now and the apocalypse at the end. This is very biblical. This is very Judeo-Christian. But if you think about how things really are, they're much more non-linear. They're circular. There is no uh, past, present, future. Even Einstein, who really studied that all the way to the core, being a Pisces that he was, eventually came to the conclusion that time is an illusion. If time is an illusion, therefore you can remember the future, basically the same way you remember the past. The future already happened before the past, probably. And that is, in many ways, the basis of uh, intuition, psychic abilities, not some kind of a crazy thing that some people have it, some people don't have it. It's just some people have access to it. Some people need to maybe develop an access for it. And that's one of the reasons we I ask for Laura Day to come and uh, help us with it. So, hey... Um, I don't know how we can uh, make you being seen. Maybe I can find oh, you. I want to be seen. Two areas, you know. We both want to be seen. It's, uh, uh, let's see. Kind of here. I'm going to pin myself. Will that happen? Hi. I pinned me. Can you see me, babe? I can't see you. Let's see. Place uh, pin. Spotlight for everyone. Continue. But now I can't see you, my little friend. Ah, really? Oh, there we go. Okay. Now you can see me both? Yeah. Okay, poop. 
spotlights. Like remove the spotlights. Perfect.
could have straightened, and it did. Um, you know, long ago, I, I was born in 1959, so when I was born, your genetics, that was it. It was your genetics. You know, lots of nature, a little nurture, but it was your genetics. Now, we know about epigenetics. We know not only does your experience right now affect your great-grandchildren, it also experience, it's also um, affects how your unique genes are expressed. So the, one of the most important concepts for me, and of course, I make my living predicting, so this is a bit of an oxymoron, but one of the most important concepts for me that I use in transforming my life is the reality that all time is now. Um, so when all time is now, you really, you know, you don't say, oh, this trauma happened to me and I can't X, Y, and Z. The trauma is happening. And in actuality, think for a second, your trauma is not what's bothering you. You have people who let you down, the people who abandoned you. It's how you re-traumatize yourself right now through your experience and through the habits that you have created to re-traumatize yourself that, that is actually the, uh, the issue in your life. I want to warn you all ahead of time that I have very bad ADHD, so my husband always says, tell people when you're going on to a new topic or when you've totally forgotten what you were talking about, which would be right around now. So, um, so I think that using, but I'm going to go back to what Gal said about time, because that is what I remember. And time, having something in the now is a really important concept. You know, one of the um, things I love about working with business is that you're telling them something that they have to act on immediately. Because often what people use intuition for, and it's a, it is the most devastating misuse, is to have a prediction so they don't have to confront their blocks and fears. Oh yeah, you'll meet Prince Charming in two years. Oh good, I don't have to deal with my my anxiety or my relationship issues, and you know I don't have to shave my legs. Or the nice thing about getting older, you lose all that body hair. But um, you know it's or you grow in different places. But it's you know it it is really detrimental because once again, time is a place. You know, life is a place. It's a point, and that point is now. Your next moment really could be your miracle, but it does take action. We are in a physical world, in a physical body, with physical rules for a reason. And there are so many ways that we as humans, as alchemists, can expand them. That's what we're meant to be, as alchemists. Plop, we're in this physical reality they're not immutable rules. People always say, oh, how about gravity? Well, under certain conditions, gravity doesn't work either. So part of being a human being is finding those conditions with which we can recreate a self, recreate our habits, recreate our moment to create a better future and to create a better world. So I, I, I think that uh, the other myth, and um, Gal, feel free to interrupt me anytime. So Gal and I are both Aries. He's my little Aries brother. Um, and um, and so I'm really surprised that he's just letting me talk. I never let him do this. Um, you want to interrupt me with anything, Gal? Not yet. Oh, okay. Uh, so, um, so um, of course, I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, anyway. Um, one of the things that I really want to give you are practical tools. And we're all looking to be more spiritual, which is ridiculous. That's like going back to the breast for your nourishment. You know, you are spiritual. Spiritual energy is everything. The struggles you're having are human. We're also all looking to be more intuitive. That's also not such a good idea. You're incredibly intuitive. But the problem with intuition is the issue of psychic self-defense and that's what I want to talk about a little bit because we are all finding new ways to go out into the world listen even if COVID never ends we have found new ways it will don't worry but we found new ways to interface we are too porous so before we talk about intuition which is my topic intuition and healing I want to tell you that you are way more intuitive 
than you need to be. And as a matter of fact, your psychic screams are probably a little too porous. That may account for your weight problem, that may account for your anxiety, that may account for your depression, that may account for not knowing what you, embodied you, want in your life. That may account for a lot of uh, self-judgments that actually may not be self-judgments, but someone else judging you, who you're hearing, who you don't give two rats, whatever it's about, but because you don't know that it's from someone else, you take it as your own judgment. So a very simple exercise that I give my students is at any given time, especially when you're feeling off kilter, and most especially when you're regressed. When are you regressed? When you're falling asleep, when you're waking up, when you get a shock, when you're hungry, uh, you know, when, when the things that support your functioning are challenged, you go back to an earlier, less defended, less organized state of functioning. But those are also where kind of beginner's mind, where the, begin, where the, where the cracks of, of eternity come in. But in those cracks of eternity is a lot of garbage. So when you feel regressed uh, or not yourself, and someone remind me how to talk, how to find yourself in the mess of all the intuition. Take a moment to notice the conversations you're having in your head. Who are you dialoguing with? What's going on? And do you want to be having those conversations? Are those conversations productive for you in any way? Um, they may be, the answer may be yes, but then if you're having the same conversation without a real world result, you might want to step back and get some intuition or some insight uh, or some good intellectual input on how to shift the dialogue in a way that is a productive dialogue for you. Telepathy, mediumship, is being able to become someone or something else. We're all born natural mediums. So when we're born, there is no I. Yeah, we have kind of the, the loose, framework of our genetics and our, you know, our basic needs, um, but there is no I. We are everything. We are, we are undifferentiated from what's around us for the most part. Now, there's a, big, uh, there's a big push in the last 20 years to make children intuitive. That's how you have psychotic personality disorder children. You want to children to channel their intuition into creativity and to learning to get along with others. You don't want them to be able to go to a war zone because they hear the name of the country on the news, right? So on some level, we want to we uh, structure the, those intuitive skills. And again, when we're regressed, it's hard to do. Mediumship is all of a sudden you're feeling anxious. Why? I'm going to give you an example. I was falling asleep the other night, cuddled in my husband's arms after having had a wonderful shot of tequila. And I was drifting off into a lovely sleep. I woke up, bolt upright. Oh my God, is my son okay? Something horrible must be happening to him. I was filled with anxiety. Five minutes later, I get a text and is he hasn't been able to board his flight in Frankfurt because he didn't, he miscalculated how long his COVID test had to be. I completely misread it. I also didn't need to feel it. It wasn't helpful. It wasn't helpful to him. It's just more evidence of my mommy is too intrusive. He's 29. Um, didn't need to ruin my sleep because once you, I make that cortisol, it's in me for hours. So I had to actually take something to get to sleep. So mediumship demands that you keep a clean house. How do you keep a clean house back to your mindfulness? What do you feel like? And then really asking the question, who's in me? Whose depression in, is in me? My husband was hungry this morning. I hate eating during the day. It gives me a stomach ache. I ate two filled croissant. I now feel like throwing up. Yesterday was the International Croissant Day. Oh yes, God, so maybe the that. medium also, <laughs> if you felt the collective croissantness uh, of the of the world. 
But also, there was a question that people asked a lot is, how do you tell the difference between fears and intuition? Let's say I have an intuition not to go to a party, but maybe I'm just afraid of being social right now. First of all, ask why. You know, intuition isn't a, isn't a big brush. There are details in intuition. There are detachment. A feeling is not an intuition. Intuition is data. The minute you can actually have an emotion or a reaction to it, it's no longer intuition. Also, intuition, when it's functioning, is actionable. So intuition won't make, just kind of blindly make you not want to go to a party or make you feel afraid. Intuition will uh, make you annoyed with uh, the guy standing near the shrimp and you realize that he is your company's competitor and you could say something that could actually lose your, your job. I mean, it's detailed. Intuition isn't, isn't uh, I'm going to die in a fiery crash, not how intuition works. Unless you're going to die in a fiery crash on the plane you're taking tomorrow. Intuition is accurate, it's actionable, and it's unemotional. Otherwise, eat a sandwich. Otherwise, it's not intuition. It's, you know, a low-pressure front or low blood sugar or, by the way, someone else's feelings. Um, so my, you know, I, my, um, my husband, uh, which, by the way, he didn't tell me for almost a year probably after I met him. My husband is a, a decades-long meditator and teacher of this Gurdjieffian meditation that's all centered around mindfulness. And when I, I, you know, I'm like, you're a psychic, I'm a psychic, and this is what you're hiding from me? There are some other things I know about you you should have hid from me, but that, really? Um, but it was right, because I really don't enjoy meditation. Made no sense to me until I realized that I'm always in a different time zone. I need to be here and now. You need to be here and now. If you're here now, if you're in this moment, and then not, not in what has happened or what will happen, except in terms of what you need to do in this moment, you'll find that your anxiety is greatly diminished. And you'll find that also you take effective action to do the things you need to do to not die in the fiery crash. You know, uh, if a psychic told me uh, you're going to have a you know, a huge accident, I'd say, okay, in what vehicle, or am I on the road, what day, what's around me, what am I doing, so I could avoid it. You know, the idea of um, this, this, this um, concept that we're, we're in a chess game that's automated, that's already been played, is, I think, has, has been disproven by people's efforts over and over and over again. If I thought we could not, that we couldn't, that some, it was written in the Akashic records and we couldn't change it, I'd just enjoy my food. Why would I bother wasting all this time, you know, growing, predicting, responding, reorganizing the habits that I have from the past to create a future? Mindfulness in the moment, being in this point in space-time, and, and this is why we don't do it, having the obligation to be responsible in this moment for your well-being, which is your job, in this point in space-time, is the very best psychic self-defense and the best way to deal with anxiety. And, you know, um, if you take a moment to uh, look back, and I hate to say look, because look is only one sense, but experience back, bring your attention, allow your attention to flow back to some of the worst things that happened to you. If they hadn't happened, I bet most of the best things in your life wouldn't have either. We are mammals, we hate change. I'm a super mammal. I have had these same slip covers for 20 years. I mean, my husband's like, really? Could we please get something a little new? Um, but but it, it is, it is, I totally, we, I totally forgot my train of thought. Anyway, we, we hate change. And yet, 
the worst, you know, I think of probably the worst thing that ever happened to me was the suicide of my mother when I was 14. I would be dead right now if she hadn't killed herself. My entire childhood was devoted to keeping her alive. I don't think I could have done it longer than 14 years, even though she was truly the love of my life. And I, I look now, I remember I was talking to someone the other day who also uh, ha has a dead parent and is having a child and said, oh my God, I'm gonna miss this parent so much. And I was like, you know, the day I had my son, I never miss my mother again. I, I became all the best of her. Or maybe, so, maybe she is him. No, God forbid, <laughs> I don't need to deal with that pathology again. You know, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't speak about this because I do work with publicly traded companies. But, you know, the, 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 just like all points in time, space are now, all your lives, all your relationships are now. It is one of the things we do with dead people that I think is such a health, healthy thing to shift is dead people in our imagination remain fixed and often get, you know, become angels. Um, when I actually look at someone who just lost a sister or a brother, they're often not saying, I'm at peace, I love you. They're saying, what, right away you had to wear my favorite sweater? Like you couldn't have waited a week? You know, that you're still having relationships with these people. And maybe they are, you know, re repurposed as someone in your life. But it, but a relation a contract is forever. And it's so important to realize that with, with live people, with the dead people, with the things we buy, with ourselves, we make contracts and we have to be mindful of renegotiating them. And one one thing that happens in our relationship with dead people is that they remain fixed and we have this relationship with this fixed concept which if you really allow your yourself to soft focus a little you'll notice they grow and change you grow and change your relationship grows and changes and if you allow that you know when my mother was alive I was her caretaker and she was the person who made me feel the most loved and important in the entire world. And now that I'm 20 years older than she was when she died, our relationship has changed and took, took a long time to change, um, which I, I may tell you this story later because it's kind of an interesting one on grieving. But for a long time, my mother kind of took obstacles out of my way after she was dead. And I didn't realize she was doing it. I was still in my abandonment. But now, as I have two siblings who've suicided after very abusive childhood, um, I see, wow, I was an idiot. And someone just took those obstacles right out of the way because God knows I wasn't, I wasn't together enough to do it. And then at a certain point, it was time for me to grow up. And she stopped, you know, which also was not very pretty for a couple of years as I learned to use my own power, but a necessary phase. So these, and now I really feel um, that, that as I uh, get older and the vulnerability of age, that she's again taking care of me. She's again reminding me, you're always my little girl. You're always, you're always my sweetheart. So it's important to see if we can soften, and this is what regression is really good for, those before sleep, uh, as you're waking up moments. Notice the back and forth in your mediumship between you and others, you and perhaps an energy that is no longer in this point in time space incarnate, um, and allow those relationships to grow. And by the way, make demands of them. Having a body, really hard. Floating around in spirit, maybe a lot less so. You don't have to shave your legs, you don't have to feed yourself, you don't have to floss your teeth. You know, it's, it, if you open your perceptions and allow yourself to be curious, you will find some very interesting uh, surprises. The really quick story I wanted to tell was, my, I have always seen... Um, what other 
people would call dead people. I have no idea, by the way, what that energy is. I have no idea if it's an evolving energy that's left behind or it's actually the spirit of a person. I, I, I have learned not to say, this is what this is. I can only say, this is how I perceive it, and these are the proofs that make it useful to me. That's my yardstick, not if something is real, if something is useful. So if my belief in self is bullshit, that's okay because it's useful to me. Is it useful? Does it help me function? Does it help me be of, of value to others? Um, so uh, I have always uh, seen people who other people would say weren't there and a good psychiatrist probably would have prescribed meds for. Even as a small child, like to not wet the bed, there was a Native American who would wake me up and take me into the bathroom. My mother, who was the absolute love of my life. I mean, I was, you know, in my day, in the 60s, 14 was prepubescent. 1973, when you were 14, you were not an adolescent yet. My mother, my mother and my cat were the loves of my life. And my father made sure to give away my cat. So I, she killed herself two days after my 14th birthday. And I, I, she was the only dead person I didn't see. I mean, people walk in a room, I see people around them. Not my mother. And I felt doubly abandoned. The suicide and not being able to perceive her in any way. And still being able to perceive all of these other entities. And I was really upset and really angry. And I come from a family of doctors, but that's not exactly the kind of thing you take to your psychiatrist unless you want to be institutionalized. So here I am, alone with this double abandonment. And, and quite a few years later, I saw her for the first time when, right before my car in Italy, back in, the, in a Cinquecento. I don't know if any of you know what those are. It makes a Volkswagen Beagle, Beetle look like an SUV. Uh, before the days of wearing seatbelts in Italy, I'm sitting in the front seat of a Cinquecento and there's a Mack truck in front of me driving in a rainstorm. I didn't know how to drive, but my boyfriend, who's ex-boyfriend now, who's still a crazy driver, was, I was, you know, in my early 20s, was driving. And all of a sudden, my mother shakes me and says, put on your seatbelt. And I did. And I, my life was literally saved. They would have been spooning me off of the back of that Mack truck. And I'm like, oh, well, huh, interesting. And I realized, I, and I had a couple other experiences all of a sudden within those years of my mother being very present in very practical ways. But it was moving for me because I really, you know, missed my mother with an intensity um, that was just indescribable. And then I realized that if I had been able to follow my mother at 14, I would have absolutely followed her. That mourning is such an important process. Mourning is the dark tunnel between the womb and birth into our next reality. Whether, just as death is, so is loss. And that mourning was so important for me. And had I been able to communicate with her the way I could with everybody else, I would never have mourned. So that is my, my uh, that's my dead person story. That's my intuition story. Um, and that is also why, you know, don't assume that because you're uh, not getting a printout every day of what's going to happen in the weather report and the stock market, that your intuition isn't working. Because your subconscious also works. You repress what is an unbearable. I didn't see 9-11. Um, we got into an apocalypse frenzy at my house. And we bought things like duct tape and took cash out of the bank and little bottles of water. We had a ball with it. And then when 9-11 happened, I was totally prepared. But if I had seen 9-11, it would have been a psychiatric issue and not an intuitive one. Same thing with COVID. I was living in London. My son was in L.A. Um, he, he would have hated being stuck with me if it had happened in London. Um, I, of course, would have adored being stuck with him. But um, 
I didn't see COVID. All I saw was the market movements and the products to buy because I, I work for an investment firm. Had I, I was prepared for COVID, I suddenly thought, oh, I should stock all my houses with toilet paper and paper towels and blah, 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 and masks. And which being a doctor's daughter wasn't so weird to order a whole bunch of masks and gloves and sanitizer and Clorox. And I was totally prepared. Had I seen it, I would have really had a breakdown. Again, it would have been a psychiatric issue, not something that allowed me to be effective. Your subconscious, you know, repression's a good thing. We forget. We'd all be raping and pillaging if it weren't for repression. Repression's a good thing. Your subconscious represses the intuition, all that spillover that would interfere with your functioning. The healthier your subconscious, the healthier your software, the more you repress. So, so who's in you? Who are you having conversations with? Where are you that's not your immediate environment? Because if there's not a reason for you to remote view or astral project, come home, get back in your own body, where you have work to do, where you can get up and edit your book or clean your kitchen or reach out to a friend. Be, again, really important to, to be mindful. And being mindful means being semi-permeable, means really uh, being the master or mistress um, of your own uh, of your own non-local perception. And by the way, that's what intuition is. It's non-local perception. The reality is that your senses, those wonderful things with which you know you are alive, your senses are mobile in time and space. And sometimes that's really helpful. I mean, I make my li living predicting the future, corporate spying, you know, doing all of those things. Um, but it's not always a helpful life skill. And that's why often, you know, the, what is the archetype of a psychic? It is someone in a moo-moo, in a fifth floor walk-up with 17 cats, living on, you know, with a dusty crystal ball, uh, you know, living on Oreo cookies. Because how many of us know that knowing the answer actually gives you zero? It's being able to effectively engage with that awareness and in a way that is adaptable with your outside world that actually creates a life. And one of the things I do in boot camp when I train intuitives, but I'm saying I am not, not training you to like sit on your crystals and not be effective. I'm training you to provide a service in an ethical way with predictable boundaries for for a decent income that you can actually live on. And by the way, that starts with basic self-maintenance, mindfulness. That's what it starts with. So I'd love to take your questions. And please don't feel that you need to be polite because I'm an Aries and I love locks and horns. So yeah, if you have any questions, you can put it in the um, chat. Yeah. I'm looking. <clears throat> Not only do I train intuitives, and they're evidence-based intuitives. They're not going to tell you about your angels or your fairies or your spirit guides. They're, I mean, although they'll do dead people for you if that's what you want, some of them. I try to train them out of that just because it puts them in a sector of society that unfortunately is still labeled weird. But uh, not only do I train intuitives, but I certify them. And when I certify them, it means I retest them at my own expense. I do not charge them for it. I don't take any portion of their earnings. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I, I feel like I'm the crone now. Um, but I test them every six months. And if, I, if something's happened in their life where I feel their boundaries are off or their ethics are off or their information is a little murky because they can't quite let go of themselves enough to be mobile, I don't send them clients. So if you want a referral, I can refer you to someone I have trained who I think is not only, who, who I know, not think, who, who I test every six months for accuracy and whose integrity uh, I trust. Um, 
I, I have worked for the same companies for 30 years, and I think one of, you know, one of the problems with all of these systems you learn about, you know, Reiki or, you know, the intuitive, blue intuitive blah blah method, is that when you're competing with your own students for clients, you're not really able to give them anything. So I don't see private clients, but I do train people who do, and by the way, good teachers train people to be better than they are. So I am, I would be referring you to someone who, who I would go to and who is probably better than I am in many, many ways. Let's look if there's any other questions. I'm seeing it. Are dreams considered intuition? You know, dreams are, are a lot of self, subconscious vomit. They're, you're processing what goes on during the day, and there's intuition in there. But it's like finding something in my shoe closet. You know, I probably have 2,000 pair of shoes at this point. I'm almost 63 years old, and they've all been shoe buying years. And none of them are in pairs. And finding a pair is really difficult. So I wear the same pair of shoes every day. It's a mess in your dreams. So very rarely are dreams things that you can get clear, intuitive uh, advice with. So intuition is pre-emotion, and you need to stop emotion from emerging. First of all, you can't stop emotion from emerging because the minute your attention's on that, that is counterintuitive. Um, intuition is not pre-emotion. Intuition is is a different uh, a different point of attention, and and intuition is 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 really it's it's a survival skill. It's data oriented. So so your your um, emotion can generate intuition. For example, I can feel bereft, and my intuition can lead me to eat a sandwich because my blood pressure is low. No, nothing's happening in my reality. I need to eat a sandwich. I forget to eat. So it's not necessarily, and you know, I think we try to intellectualize something that's so simple. Human beings, unbelievably complex. Intuition, very simple. Your attention moves to get the data that you need. Although I will tell you that your intuition can help you find the next disastrous relationship <clears throat> just as easily as the next good one. Your intuition responds to your targets, most of which are subconscious, which is why a lot of the work that I do with people is what are your conscious targets and keep coming back to them. What are you trying to create? So I'm an Aries too. I know nothing about astrology. That's a golf question. When I need an astrological advice, I call golf, but don't ask me about astrology. Uh, can you dwell more into intuitive healing and how we can cure an ailment? Is that part of boot camp? It is part of boot camp, but it's also part of the free morning Instagrams I do. And it's very hard to read yourself, and I include myself in that. It's very hard to heal yourself. Because we are held together and composed of our patterns, and our pathology are, is part of our patterns. And one of the reasons I love getting together with everyone on Instagram every morning is that we join as a group. You can heal me, I can heal you. Me, I respect my own pathology, and I don't go near it. I respect my own fears, and I cultivate them, you know? Um, I, it, it, so, so it's really helpful Yes, you can do self-healing, and the circle is about help self-healing. Welcome to your crisis. Both books of mine are about self-healing, but I have to say, I'd love to say you have the answer within you, but you know, finding it is one thing in my shoe closet. Ask for advice. I, by the way, when I'm in a tangle, I call my psychotherapist. You know, I say, you know, what's going on here? And uh, it really, doing things in community is incredible. So, so, and an ailment, anything, whether it's a problem or an ailment, you create your reality. You are a prism that both absorbs and reflects. That is the function of the ego. So often the best thing you can do with your own pathology is have a symptom dialogue. You know, hey, wrinkle. What, you're upsetting me. What are you here to teach me? Because I know you want me to be happy. Oh, you're teaching me to call me a Tom Moore and get a little Botox. Now, um, you're teaching me to allow 
allow your, my, yourself to find other gifts other than a facade of protection. They will make you far happier than that facade did. Do I believe that initially? No, I go to Neotelm or I get my Botox, but ultimately it'll keep knocking on my door till I learn that lesson. Why? Because no matter how much we've been taught to hate ourselves, we are spirit, we love ourselves. We are giving ourselves bad relationships and ailments and problems so that we can be more joyful. That's how you know that you're at a spiritual peak, which by the way, you'll always fall off of to grow more because our job is to evolve spirit. But you know you're at a good spiritual point when you are in joy. And by the way, there are weird things that can give you joy. When you're in a joyful moment, a good bowel movement will give you joy. You know, it doesn't have to be the second coming. Um, and, and the magic is in the mundane of the daily life. So let's, uh, we have to go back to the week for um, next week, but um, join us. Uh, we're going to do something pretty special in Omega in the last week of May. We're going to, I'm going to send you the information about it. It's going to be five days with a lot of uh, healers and writers. So it will be a lot of fun. And for those of you who are going to use uh, help, uh, I mean, join us next week in SLN. Uh, we look forward to seeing you. And thanks a lot for uh, joining us after your morning session because you already had your morning session today. Uh, this well, is for me. I mean, you know, here's the thing when we join, all boats rise. Mm -hmm. So I do this more. People say, oh, you're so generous to do this for free. Nah, I'm doing it for me. And well, thanks a lot. It was um, a great having you over. <laughs> And uh, I'll see you, I guess, next week for a whole week. And I hope you guys, some of you can join us. And uh, the mornings at Laura Day Intuit, you have to get it. And uh, the books, definitely check out the books. Uh, go to her website, lauraday.com. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's nice. Uh, Let's see. So first of all, uh, I hope you guys can see the map, the chart. Um, you can see today, Sunday, we have Mars, Venus, Moon, Mercury, Pluto. They're all in Capricorn. So even though we are in Aquarius, we are still very much influenced by the energies of Capricorn. You can see also in the chart that there is no oppositions. You see there's no red lines that are 180 degrees, meaning that things are supposed to start getting a little bit less opposing for us. And a lot of the issues are now coming from in our head more than anything. But because there's so much Capricorn in the last few days and also tomorrow, there are fears that are coming up. A lot of them are fear of survivor, fear of survivals, fear for the world, fear for the future, fear from the past. So just try to override that as much as you can. And also, what is interesting this week, like I told you, we are getting into the new moon phase. So first of all, tomorrow on Monday, which is the moon's day, the moon is moving into Aquarius, much lighter energy, and it's coming closer and closer to the new moon that is happening officially February 1st. And as you know, February 1st, the new moon in Aquarius is always the Chinese New Year. So we're going to start the year of the water tiger. So first of all, tomorrow, things are moving much better. We're done with the Venus retrograde. We're still in her shadow for a few more weeks so it might make it might still look a little bit funky with relationships uh, certain things that were kind of held back for a long long time the dams are now open and the water is flowing with everything that has to do with finance relationship self-worth talking about your values but still Venus doesn't like to be so much in Capricorn and she's getting pushed by Mars. So there could be, before Mars and Venus get connected and before they kind of adjust to this new sign, they might be pushing each other. So the masculine, the feminine energies are kind of pushing against each other. But one of the good things from now, not from now, sorry, from uh, February 5 until end of April, we're going to have no retrogrades whatsoever. So the road is open for success, for healing, for acceptance, for love, even for peace if um, uh, some of the head of states can kind of like chill out. 
But the important thing about um, uh, tomorrow on Monday, the day of the moon, is that the moon is heading towards a new moon. So this is actually a good time to start thinking about what you want to start, but then starting it only after February 5. And you can see that uh, the nor that uh, Neptune and Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, are actually together. Actually, we're going to have a lot of really meaningful dreams in the next few days. Pay attention to them also because they're sending, as you can see, a beautiful line to the north node, which is the south node, and of course a sextile to the north node, which is always very, very positive. It talks actually about teachings uh, from past lives coming into your dream life. Then in, in February 1st, it is the welcoming into the uh, year of the water tiger. As you can note, tiger is a very fiery uh, uh, symbol, you know, like Leo energy. It has to do with uh, a fire, with masculine energy. It's very young. But because it happens once every 60 years that it dives into the water, we're having an interesting year, uh, according to the Chinese astrology, because we're going to have the tiger, which is fiery and masculine, diving into the water, which is yin and feminine. So we have what is called the black tiger, the puma, you can say. Uh, what it does talk about is that the masculine and feminine are trying to find some kind of merger, which is really fascinating because right around this time, Venus and Mars are coming together to a conjunction, which is really rare. And it's going to bring together that energy of the masculine, the feminine action and reception. So this Chinese New, Chinese New Year, starting February 1st until January 31 of 2023, is a year of action, but coming out of emotion. So everything we talked about with intuition that Laura talked about now totally makes sense for our next year. Because like she defined, intuition, it's about what are you going to do about it? You know, it's not just about getting some kind of an image or a fear of something that's happening. It's more action that actually leads to a realization. You know, it's very simple, similar to what we talked here about, I think, in the past, that when I studied psychology, they did this uh, experiment with people if they like oranges or not, and they asked them to fill a form whether they like oranges or not. And most people didn't want to commit to that, I love oranges. But then when they interviewed them and asked them how many oranges or how much orange juice you drink every week, suddenly people that didn't know that they loved oranges says, oh, I guess I really like oranges because I drink them all the time or I eat them all the time. Same thing thing with intuition. Oh, I guess I'm getting a lot of masks and I'm getting a lot of toilet paper. I wonder what's happening. Oh, all right, there is a pandemic. So sometimes our action lead us to realization instead of, oh, there's going to be a pandemic. And like Laura said, instead of freaking out and kind of probably getting disabled, it's the opposite. Your action leads to the realization. After all, we are not a, a, a people trying to become spiritual. We're spiritual people beings trying to learn how to be humans because that's our lesson in this lifetime at least so that's very much learned in the next year it's action and reception meaning intuition but have to do with moving without intuition doing something about intuition um, being active leaning towards it and that is starting on february 1st uh, the february 1st new moon is not the easiest one just because you can see saturn is lurking between the sun and the moon so it's a good time for making uh, decisions about what you want to work on, but giving yourself long-term projects so that you can actually officially start on February 5 when the Mercury goes direct. But you can start thinking now for four or five days, what are your long-term projects? Even if it's longer than a year, then you can break it down into uh, little missions that you can reinforce yourself every time you accomplish. So again, New moon. New moon in Aquarius means a new beginning. Aquarius is all about hope. Aquarius is all about manifestation of wishes. So it's a perfect time to decide what is it you want to work on in the next year, at least until January 31st, 2023, but only start working it on February 5th. Then on February 2nd, we have the moon moving into Pisces, very intuitive, very like intuition, mysticism, dance, yoga, meditation, everything that has to do with flowing with uh, the spirit world, because we're going to have the moon in Pisces, Jupiter in Pisces, Neptune in Pisces, Minerva in Pisces, great energy. And in that Capricorn is almost like a grail that is uh, able to contain the holy water that is going to come to us on February 2nd and February 3rd. 
So you can see Mercury is still stationary, very close to Pluto. So be careful what we say. Some of the things we say might be a little bit too intense for some people, a little bit too sharp. So just be a little bit more careful with that. But again, there's still no oppositions between the planets. It means that we're not caught between two forces kind of pushing us and pulling us. We're actually able to be more centered, which is the greatest gift of uh, no opposition. And also, if you're giving birth to a baby, your child is not going to have opposition in life. Not too bad. February 3rd, we're studying uh, the Mercury stationary. Again, Mercury stationary, February 3rd, February 4th, Thursday and Friday. These are the times where we're going to be stuck, feeling like we can't move. The program is stuck. Remember, in Mercury retrograde, things get off. When Mercury is stationary, uh, it's like the computer freezes. You can't really do much. You know, One of the things that you could do during that time, because our thoughts are very slow, is to be able to kind of like reach out and move them around and and decide which thoughts you don't want to deal with anymore. You know, like Laura talked about these conversations we have in our head that are completely um, not very useful, especially if these are not conversations that are creative, but conversations that are loopish, like we, she mentioned, things that repeat themselves. So these conversations could be stopped during the Mercury stationary because Mercury stationary, it's almost as if we can get a printout of all of our thoughts, even the annoying thoughts. And then we can say, you know what, this thought pattern, I'm going to edit this conversation. I don't want to have any more in my life. So because it's Mercury in Capricorn has to do with pattern, breaking away patterns. That is a great time to basically break patterns of ways of thinking. Again, it's going to be February 3rd, Thursday, February 4th. Friday. We have still in February 3rd and 4th moon in uh, Pisces, which is great again for intuition, especially on February 4th. The moon is going to be touching Minerva, the goddess of wisdom. You're going to meet some wise woman. Maybe that's the best day, February 4th, to do Laura Days as uh, morning uh, sessions. Or maybe I can predict that uh, the morning session on February 4th is going to be brilliant because the moon is going to be touching Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, and very close to Chiron, which was the great teacher. So that position is going to make the moon. Feminine energy flow very much with a lot of wisdom, especially mystical wisdom. And look at this beautiful triangle also forming. But the interesting thing about February 5 is that we are at last free of the retrograde of Mercury. It's been a long time with the shadow of Mercury and then the Venus retrograde. So we're done. So now until from February 5 until the end of April... Great time to achieve things. Great time to reboot your uh, uh, everything that you, you thought about trying to accomplish this year. Again, still no opposition. So that's really, really good. So uh, sorry that we had a little bit longer. I wanted to again thank uh, Laura Day for spending time with us today and giving us all of these great suggestions about intuition. Um Thank you. Thank you very much. And have a beautiful, beautiful week. A happy new moon. Happy new year. And uh, great to be back in the same continent uh, again. Thanks a lot.